This is Season 6, Episode 7 of Beyond the Illusion. Numerology with Ann Perry. In this episode, we have a conversation about numerology with Ann Perry. I find the topic of numerology fascinating. For one thing, human beings happen to use a numerical and mathematical method for describing our universe. Apparently, there's an underlying formula to the seen and unseen worlds that surround us. It's mind-boggling to think that numbers of all things can be used as a mathematical language to describe these worlds. A language which everyone understands to one degree or another, regardless of your background. This language is so powerful that it can describe practically everything. And at the foundation of this mathematical language are numbers. And the numbers themselves have individual identities and properties that have been cataloged in a field of study called numerology, which is what we talk with Anne about in this conversation that you're about to hear. Let's go to that conversation now. Because we've never had a numerologist, I don't think. No. Right. Yes. Oh. I guess my first question is, how did you find yourself doing this kind of work? So in 1998, I went through a bit of a healing crisis, my own personal healing crisis. And then through that healing crisis, my brother developed flesh-eating disease, which was pretty horrible. I went through some angelic experiences and such. But through the process of, of all this, I discovered Reiki and I started seeing a Reiki practitioner, got so hooked on Reiki and how fantastic it was and how it helped me. I became a Reiki master teacher not long afterwards. And I had such a busy practice. It just exploded. And I wanted to see, I wanted to learn more about my clients before they came in. So I learned the very, very, very basics of numerology, just basically looking at a date of birth. That could tell me so much about a person and it allowed me to really understand why they chose to heal and why they chose not to heal. You know, what were their resistances? And I, and I could just work with them a little bit better, um, knowing a bit more about them. So that's what kind of turned me on to numerology in the first place. Yeah. That's interesting because 1998 was when I experienced Reiki for the first time and got into it and got trained in Reiki. <laughs> That's wow. interesting. Yeah. Wow. That maybe that was a time on the planet for some energies. Yeah. Very cool. You know, it's weird because I, I've known of numerology. And then when I work with different clients, I also like to have some, you know, background understanding or deeper understanding of who they are. But for some reason, I never thought about because I do get, you know, clients give their date of birth. I don't require it. I ask it, but it's not required. But oh, I'm, I'm excited now. You're just kind of giving me another idea of like, oh, wow, maybe I can learn some of this basics of numerology and utilize it as a way to kind of better understand the people that come to me and how I can be of service to them. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you you can tell, obviously, a person's life path number, which involves the lessons they've chosen to learn. You can learn what the sub-lessons are from looking at the day that they chose to be born on. 
you can see what the personal year is that they're in. So if, for example, they're in maybe a four personal year, that would be a year that they may be feeling really stuck. And it's just really helpful to let them know that this is just a cycle that's causing them to feel a little stuck. Because when you're in it, and this is kind of what really turned me on to numerology, I had gone through a really bad boat in about 2003. I went to my dark place, right? And uh, I, I never knew what a dark place was until I was there. And when I was there, I didn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. I thought, this is it. My life is in ruins and I just, I can't see anywhere, any way out. But when I started studying numerology several years later, I went back to look at that and went, wow, I didn't realize you know, the, the personal year that I was in, which was a six, which related to a lot of domestic drama, but it also had a huge influence from my birth name that could tell me how I was going to go through it and when I would go into this crappy place and when I'd come out of it. So the light at the end of the tunnel can be seen on the chart. So that's so, so important to me. Wow. There's so much to unpack there, I think, for, you mm -hmm. know, for people who have not, this is their first exposure to numerology. So where would we start there? Would we start with talking about the life path number? Is that a good place to start? Sure, absolutely. So yeah, I think, well, hopefully, I think people that listen to our podcast probably do want to know and are willing to look at what are the lessons I came to learn or what am I here to learn? How would someone, can people calculate it for themselves? I mean, obviously it's ideal to go to someone like you, someone who has this breadth and depth of knowledge, but you know, for someone maybe that doesn't have that opportunity, how would they calculate that for themselves? So there's different theories on that, um, on how to do the uh, the calculations. Um, I go with the theory of that was developed by Matthew Oliver Goodwin. So Matthew was a master numerologist back in the 80s before he passed. He was brilliant. And unlike most numerologists and calculators and things you see online, they're going to say, oh, you know, just add all the numbers in your date of birth straight across and then reduce it to a single digit. Well, you know, when I when I did that for myself, I came up as what's called a 34-7. I was born March 25th, 1959. So when you add up all of those numbers in that date of birth, it adds up to 34. And 3 and 4 equals 7. So that would mean that I was here to learn the sub-lessons of the 3 and also of the 4 so I can become the best seven I can be, right? So the three and the four are sub-lessons to the main lesson. I got that I was a seven. I understood that. That's that's about being very spiritual and learning how to surrender and trust to something bigger than yourself and being a spiritual teacher. I got all that. I understood that. But the three said I had to learn how to express myself in a creative way and not to worry about how I express myself. I don't have any trouble with expressing myself. Shutting me up is a bigger deal, right? <laughs> no trouble. But, and the four is about, you know, uh, being accountable, stability, process, having a plan, you know, all of that, one step after that. I got all of that. So I just, I had to look for something else. So I went and I explored the, the work of Matthew Oliver Goodwin. So if either one of you is comfortable providing your date of birth, maybe I can work through that with you. Want to do that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> date of birth, Jim. My date of birth is May 8th, 1977. 1977. Okay. So we know the, the way that Matthew taught us to break this down was to break down each component of the date of birth separately. Okay. So if we bring May down, that's a five, right? Because it's a single digit. It's a five. It doesn't need to be reduced or anything. The eight comes down as an eight because that's a single digit. 1977, we'll add that together. One plus nine is 10, plus seven is 17, and another seven brings it to 24. 
and two and four comes down to six. Now we're going to add five for May plus eight for the day plus six for the year. So that comes up as, oh, you've got an interesting date of birth. That comes up as a 19-1. No wonder you wanted him to go first. Oh, <laughs> you're I, I know I'm a 19-1 because I did uh, your you're little, um, I'm also 19. I was like, oh, man, I have karmic debt. Oh, fun. <laughs> okay. That's interesting. Both, okay, cool. What you're going to tell him applies to me as well. Right. Yeah. Well, in part, in part it does. So that's really cool. All right. So let's take a look at that for you, Tim. So we, we know that you're... Numbers added up to 19.1. Now let's just do another exercise for a second. If we were just to add your date of birth straight across, that would be five plus eight plus one plus nine plus seven plus seven. If we were to add your numbers just straight across, you would come up as a 37 and then three and seven equals 10. Mm. And then one plus zero equals one. Right. Now, I've only just met you five minutes ago, right? But there's a part <laughs> of me that kind of thinks, there's a part of me that feels that there might be some truth in this. Um, the three brings in that interest in doing a podcast, and the seven is related to spirituality. So that's, you know, mm-hmm. um, and then we, we add three and seven together, it comes to 10. One plus zero, the zero in there is very, very important because that zero talks about you needing to tap into your intuitive gifts to be the best one you can be. That sounds like Tim, yeah. right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I only just met you and that, that feels right to me. So, you know, I do have a video out there on YouTube that I, I hesitate to take down because it's got like, you know, a zillion hits on it and there's a lot of truth to it, but there's a part of me that wants to go in then because I did call it how to calculate your life path number correctly. But I did that several years ago and I've grown since then. And I realized that what might be my theory as to do it may not work for you because I don't feel like you're a 19 one. I, I really don't. I mean, you might, if you, whatever, you know, I don't, do you know much about the 19 one? No, I don't know anything about it. So. Okay. All right. Perfect. So the 19 one says, if this applies to you says that in a previous lifetime and you too, Tiana, um, the 19 one says you were leaders in a previous lifetime. Badass leaders. Okay. You're somebody who all about your ego. I'm climbing to the top of that corporate ladder, whatever the corporate ladder was, you know, that you would be driven for success and stomp on people like bugs to get ahead. That didn't work out so well for you. So coming into this lifetime, you might be inclined to be working hard to rather than have the spotlight on you saying, look at me, look at me, I'm all that, it would be more related to. Look at them. Wow. I'm, I'm so happy to be able to take them and help them go up that ladder to be of service to them, to see them successful. Their success, all the mind. That's my success, right? So it's not about shining the light on you anymore and making you look like the rock stars. It's about making everybody else look better. So the nine that sits in there in the 19 one says, I need to be of service, but I need to help people to help themselves. So there is a little bit of that in the work that you guys are doing. That really resonates for me. I really do feel like I've always kind of, I don't know, I just had this underlying feeling that I've abused power in other lifetimes. And then I overcorrected in this lifetime by yeah. by like not stepping into my power and yeah. like being so afraid to step into my power because there's this like deep feeling of like fear that I might abuse it. And then trying to find the balance of that now of being empowered, but not, mm-hmm. you know, not either way, finding that middle place. Well, the, the, neither one of you really feel to me like 19 ones, to be perfectly honest. And it kind of blows my theory as to how you do the calculation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
But um, I, I have, like I said, softened my approach to that. But one of the identifying factors with that 19-1 would be a real concern for your image. If you guys are going out on a date and your date arrives wearing an outfit, inside you're thinking, holy crap, he's going to wear that? She's going to wear that? Are you kidding me? Like, seriously? Like, I'm going to look like an idiot if this person shows up looking like that. Well, if you have that feeling, there's a good chance there's a little bit of 19-1 in there. Or you show up at a party, you've been told that it's, you know, your your date has told you, oh, it's just jeans and t-shirts. That's a real casual kind of thing. And you get there and it's kind of a dressed up affair, but you're there with your torn up jeans. You might be looking around going, oh, somebody's going down. <laughs> this is not cool. Uh, <laughs> that's me. So, Is that you? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, uh, well, and see, the thing is with, with you, Tim, you were born on the eighth day. Okay. So that tells us a lot about who you are too. The eighth relates to uh, having a little bit of a need for power, authority, control, (laughs) big need for control. I want to know what's happening. I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want to look like the fool. Don't catch me off, catch me off guard, you know, that kind of stuff. So the eight has a lot to learn about how to step into their power without abusing that power. So without becoming that big control freak. Can you you relate to that? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's all spot on. Yep. Yeah. What is your, um, I know some numerologists kind of believe in master numbers or others. Like my, mm. my date, my day of birth is 11. Is that a master number or does that break down to two or? So your day of birth, if I was to look at your, if I was still just, that's all I had about you is your day of birth. I would know that I'm dealing with an older soul. I know that because you can't be born on the 11th day or the 22nd day, unless you have enough previous lifetime experience with which to manage that kind of energy in this lifetime. Hmm. So that brings in a higher vibration. Okay. It brings in the way I I talk about the 11s is that for you, your vibration is up here. Okay. The rest of us are kind of down here. So you're always trying to figure out how do I navigate that space in between? Because up here, I know I'm intended to be creative. I know that I'm intended to tap into my creative potential and to use that potential to inspire other people. It nags you all the time. Probably nags you what, you know, what guests am I intended to bring into this (laughs) <laughs> so that I can inspire other people. You're always looking to empower and inspire and, and um, influence in some way. So the double one, the one is the masculine energy. And you've got that double masculine energy that says, I've got to push, push, push. I've got to make it happen. i got to push that boulder up the hill. I've got to, you know, I always have to work hard in that. But at the end of the day, the 11 equates to the two. And the two is the feminine side of that that says, I also have to learn how to receive. So the question is, that you might be asking is how far can I push before I'm rejected? Because, you know, if I push too hard, I might be rejected. And I am a two at the end of the day. So the two says I need partnership. So, um, and the, the 11 knows that they're intended to do something much bigger than what they're currently doing. And so it's scary for them to reach out and push too hard for fear that they may be rejected because if they're rejected, they can't do the job they came to do. Does that make sense? Oh my God, that resonates so much with me. Yeah, it's very, very spot on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, so the, in answer to your question, do you reduce it? Absolutely not. The master numbers, when they hit there in the day of birth, the month of birth, the year of birth, do not reduce them. And that's the problem that I have with adding the number straight across. In your particular case, we don't want to do that because if we did that, you reduce the intensity associated with the day of birth being the eleven. And that's kind of like cracking the code 
just a little bit, you know, without like blowing the door open. And, and you know, <laughs> if you can play with me, you're going to blow the door wide open, right? <laughs> so, yeah, that's what I would say to that. Would you mind just, I know it, there's like so much that we could say, um, just briefly, like maybe going through each number and like a little bit of what each number. So if somebody does this practice and then they, you know, oh, I'm a number three or whatnot, you know, maybe from mm-hmm. one to whatever, uh, just what each number has uh, signifies. Sure. Well, we, we observe the numbers from one to nine. Okay. So those would be the main state numbers that we look at. So the number one, of course, would be all about new beginnings, new opportunities, new things. So this might be associated with someone who's an artist or an entrepreneur or you know a self-starter, somebody who's very inspired kind of thing. So that's your number one. The number one doesn't care if they have partnership around because it's all about them being number one, right? I mean, they, they, in your case, uh, Tiana, you have a bigger um, need for partnership than say Tim does, okay? Because Tim was born on the eighth day. You were born on the 11th day. The 11th day says, I want partnership. Tim doesn't necessarily need partnership to be happier and successful in his life. The two then becomes the person that does require partnership. They like to be part of a team. The one will work better by themselves. And the two says, yeah, but I like partnership. I like to kind of work with somebody. The two is a lower lying energy, a little calmer, a little bit more peaceful. They're the team players. They're the collaborators, that sort of thing. When we go into the three, the three says, I'm just kind of a combination of the two and the one, right? So the three says, I like the crowd. I want to be creative. I want to be possibly a writer, you know, somebody who's expressing themselves, very creative influence there, likes to be part of a social network kind of thing. Very inspired by ideas all the time coming around. They come, they tend to be a little bit scattered, the threes. So we bring in the four and the four says, the three drives me crazy. I need foundation. I need to be plugged in. I need to be somebody who is grounded. You know, I see things in black and white. It is or it isn't. It's fact or it's fiction. These guys make great law enforcers or accountants. They're very much about attention to detail. Somebody who has the five life path number is all about their freedom. Four says, I want structure. Five says, hell no, I want freedom. I just want to come and go as I, as I please. Do not micromanage me. Forget it. I learn best by experience. So these guys make really great tour guides. They make great chefs because they love to experiment with different things. They love to taste life and experience life. They learn best through doing. They're not really about responsibility. They just kind of live for the moment. When you come into the six, the six says, I'm all about my family. I'm all about domestic responsibility. I will throw myself in front of a bus for my family. The six, when you look at the six, the six has that round belly on it. And that reminds us of the pregnant mom, the nurturer, whether it's male or female, it doesn't matter, but that's the nurturer who has lots of lessons to learn in relationship to responsibility. You know, how much of this is really my responsibility? Why do I feel I'm the only one that can do it? So the sixes have a tendency to be the ones that jump in first before everybody else, but they also have a huge need for perfectionism. Mm-hmm. When we come into the sevens, myself, I'm a seven, the sevens relate to spirituality and they have a lot to learn with regards to trust. So they're head cases. <laughs> we are the thinkers. We're always in our heads thinking, thinking, thinking. So we have to learn how to get from our heads to our hearts. So the sevens are the analysts. They are the spiritual teachers. They are the ones that leave no stone unturned. They typically are spiritual people rather than religious people. Then we go to the eights who are the manifestors. These are the guys that really like their money and they'll make no apologies for it because they really like to work very hard. You know, they like to invest themselves in, in business. So they are the managers. They are kind of control freaks. They like to be in charge. They're, uh, they typically like to be dressed well. They like to have nice things. 
they're very much about working for large organizations or running the large organization. And then we have the nine that says, no, I'm not so much about the money. I'm more about being the humanitarian. I want to be of service. Unlike the six who wants to be of service to family and community, the nine says, no, I want to be of service out here. I want to be of service to humanity, to the planet, maybe some environmental cause, being a philanthropist, somebody interested in you know, the planet overall. So the environment, save the children, save the animals, save the whales, you know, that kind of thing. And then we go into multiples of those. So we start looking at the master numbers, the 11s, the 22s, the 33s, and so forth. So the 11 is double the intensity of the number one. So you just go back and look at the number one and say, okay, I'm double the intensity to be original, authentic, creative. I'm going to guess that you are doing some kind of art form, Tiana. Do you, do you paint or do you? Um, I mean, I like to sing and, and dance and I yeah. wrote a book, but like, yeah, yeah, but not, not like artistic, like paint, <laughs> but other okay. things. Yeah. Okay. Well, art, I mean, creativity comes in many shapes and forms, right? Mm -hmm. So the writing all by itself, that's fantastic. Good for you. So the double, it's the, the, the 11 energy is the double vibration of the number one, that need to be authentic, the need to be creative, the need to be original, the need to do you is really what it is, right? To create something that no one else has created before, to write a book that no one else has written before, that kind of thing. So we have that and the double ones add up to the two. So again, you have this, it's difficult for the master numbers because not only do they have to have double the intensity of the lesson involved in the one, but they also need to work on the number two, right? So they've, they've really got their hands full. Whether your day of birth is an 11 or a 22, or whether your life path number comes up as an 11 or a 22, these guys have a really tough job. That's kind of why I specialize with master numbers for that reason. When we look at the 22, double the intensity to be a partner, double the intensity to be patient, double the intensity to be a collaborator so that they can be the best four they can be. So what do we know about the four? When you think four, you think four posts into the ground. So this is somebody who needs structure. This is somebody, the master numbers are also humanitarians. They want, and they know that they're intended to create something that will support humanity on some level. So the 22-4 wants to create some kind of a foundation that will support humanity. So that could be like a food bank or a library or a shelter or something like that. What they fail to realize, the 22-4s often fail to realize is that they don't have to do that by themselves. In fact, they're not intended like the 11s are intended to do it by themselves. That's that double one independent energy, right? Whereas the, the double twos, this is now double partnership so that they can create that foundation. So they need to seek out people who are equally inspired to be able to create that foundation that they want to provide to humanity. And then 33s, this is double the need to communicate about love, about perfectionism that exists in all things without having to set the bar ridiculously high to, to meet expectations that don't exist, really. The sixes have to get, or pardon me, the 33 sixes have to get really comfortable with their own creative potential. They probably have the toughest life path number of all because they have to reduce that need for perfection while speaking, while creating, while influencing people to do the same. Wow, that's so helpful. Yeah, Good. that was great. This is, this is an absolutely fascinating topic. I've never really done much research into it, but just listening to you, I, I love it already. Cause I'm always awesome. like, I'm one of those people who like, I, I notice numbers, you know, a lot of people do this, but you know, yeah. I, I notice like repeating numbers that show up in my life every so often. And, um, 
So, right? so these are like birth numbers then, I guess, or what would they be called? Not, well, they're just basically the structure. It's kind of like okay. the letters in an alphabet, right? So that's kind of the, that's where we begin. So when I teach numerology, I teach people how to speak numbers. Okay. So when we, when we teach people how to speak numbers, they have to learn what each number means. And so where we apply that number on a numerology chart is how that number will expose itself. So for example, if in your case, Tim, your life path number is a one, that means that you are learning how to be a leader. You're learning how to be independent. You're learning to be inspired and driven and all those sorts of things, right? Because the life path number that comes from your date of birth reflects the lessons that you've chosen to learn. If we look at the expression number, which comes from the full name on the birth certificate, we break it down, we assign numeric value to all of the letters. When we look at that full birth name, that tells us what talent and gift you brought. So if you brought a one as your expression number, that means that Tim is a talented leader. He is inspired. He is driven. He is all those things. And then if we look at just the vowels in your birth name, the vowels in your birth name reflect what you're passionate about. So this might mean that although I'm not a leader, I sure would like to be one. So I, I aspire to be that. So you see the difference? Oh, yeah. Wow. There's so it a just lot depends on where you plug it in. Oh, there is. It's a big topic, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a big topic. Yes. Yeah, Wonderful for like self, you know, learning and, and growth and understanding the other people in your life that you're close to as oh. well. Oh, oh, Tiana, if I could just, if, if all I could do was group dynamics and family dynamics all day long, I'd be a happy girl. Seriously, it's so wonderful when even if even if all you have is the date of birth, we can tell so much about why Johnny gets along with Susie, but doesn't get along with dad or gets along better with mom or, you know, it's or is this just a cyclical thing? Is this just a, a crappy cycle that they're both in? You know, we have a personal year that we observe, which is an easy exercise as well. But it's nice to know where you've got four people living under one roof. Where is everybody? Why is Johnny in his room all the time? Well, maybe he's in a seven personal year. It's fine. He'll come out in October. It's good. Right? <laughs> you know, yeah. like, Can we right? talk about that? The personal year as well? Because yeah, uh -huh, that might be really helpful. Like, I, you know, you said about, because um, with astrology, I often think about that as well. Like just kind of knowing that there's these cycles and like, oh, okay, this is just a period of time. And then I'm going to move through it is kind of helpful. Yeah. And so uh, what can you tell us about the personal years? So there's nine years that we observe in numerology. A year of one, of course, would be a year of new beginnings, new opportunities, new things, plant some seeds. Each year holds a different theme and each year builds upon the next theme. So it's like if you happen to be in a personal year of one, it's go time, right? So the energy is going to be really, the universe will provide you with tons of energy to get the job done. They're pushing you hard, like plant those seeds and you're chomping at the bit and you know you got to create something. So it's just an easy time to start something new. Now, I know that astrologers often will look at the personal year as starting on your birth date. Most numerologists look at it that it starts in January. I, I ascribe to that belief system is that it starts in January. Who's to prove who's right or wrong? You know, it's just the way that we look at it. So I'm going to show you my theory based on starting in January 1st. So January 1st, we all come up with a, a new personal year. We get a full cup of whatever that personal year is. And for every day that goes by, we're going to get a little blast of the influence of that personal year. So for example, let's say you are in a personal year of one. Again, planting seeds, ambition, lots of energy, go, 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 go. 
by the time we get to about October, that cup is almost empty. And what happens is the energy of the next coming year, which in this case would be a two, starts to come over the threshold, starts getting your feet wet. You start feeling that shift and you start getting tired because you see one, the one year is go, go, go. The year of two, they're going to rein you back in and it makes you feel tired because they want you from January, you go into that two personal year. They're going to want you to sit in your timeout chair. Don't try and, you know, keep creating like you did in your year of one. It's not going to happen. You don't have the energy. You've got to rest and restore because if you don't, you're not going to have enough energy to go into your year of three, which is go time again, right? So it's forward, back, forward, back. So there's there's the momentum. All right. So then you roll into your year of two. So the two is no longer no longer going to be about you anymore driving it and planting seeds for yourself. This is going to be a time when you're going to sit down and you're going to pause and you're going to want to hang out on the couch with maybe your significant other, right? Group dynamic not happening this year. This is quiet intimate relationship stuff, right? When you move into October of a two personal year, all of a sudden the interest in becoming social comes back because you're almost empty of that two energy. And that interest to get out there and be social and talk and be creative and develop new ideas and maybe take up an art class or something. That's what happens for your year of three. So you're having fun and you're partying and having a great time in your year of three. Come into October, you start feeling the energy of the four that says, oh, I've got to stop being careless and frivolous and footloose and fancy free. I got to put my big girl panties back on and get focused. So you feel that need to get, you know, organized is, is probably the best word I can say. Come into that full four year. The four is going to be about discipline, focus, one step after the other, create that foundation, whatever you planted the seed on in the year of one, it's time for you to get that thing really organized. You've had enough time to kind of sort it out think about it and plan it. Let's put it into form now. When you come into your energy of the five, the five says, I'm so done. I feel too stuck in my year of four. I'm feeling really trapped. I can't move forward. I can't move back. Probably because the ability to focus is so great that you're focusing on what you haven't done, what you haven't accomplished. And, and it's just because that's the first thing that you see, right? When you're trying to create something, whatever irritates you the most is the first thing you're going to see. So you have to be very careful with your focus in the year of four. So when we move into the year of five, the five says, I'm done being focused. I'm done being restricted. I'm done being uh, attention to detail. I just want my freedom. So this is the year you're going to want to travel. You want to go places. You want to spend some money. It can be a bit of a footloose, fancy free kind of a year, but it all, it's also about change and unexpected events. So we have to be a little bit proactive in a personal year of five because otherwise, you know, stuff can happen. When we roll into the six, all of a sudden the six says, kind of like the four, the six says, oh, 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 I got to stop having my, my fun and whatnot. And now I have to pay attention to my family and I have to be a bit more focused on the responsibility towards my, my home, my family, possibly my work as well. So the year of six, everybody's vying for your attention. Everybody wants a little piece of you. You're stretched in 16 different directions. By the time the seven year rolls in, it's like back off, everybody. I'm done. I was there for you all last year. I don't want to play with you guys, guys anymore. I'm going to my cave. So you go down under for the year of seven and you and you sort of spend time by yourself and you it's it's pause. It's a time out where you're thinking about what do I want? You know, where do I want to go? How am I going to get there? And it's not a good year. Seven personal years, not a good year to make your mind up about anything, really. It's an idea to toss things around, meditate a lot, just think about where you're going. But you're too invested in your head to make a good, solid decision that you can hang your hat on. So you have to wait until the year of eight before you can actually feel confident to make any kind of big decisions. So the eight is about manifesting whatever it is you planted in your year of one, making it happen. 
It's about your money. It's about your power. It's about your authority. It's stepping back into your own personal power if you've been surrendering it too much. And then last but not least, we come into our year of nine, which is where we have to look at what we need to release and let go of before we can actually move forward. So it's, um, wow, I did that fast, didn't I? Yeah, that was perfect. <laughs> so do you want to know how to do the calculation for that? Yeah. How do you, that was my question. Is like, how do you know what year you're in? Okay. So now that we know what each year kind of represents, and by the way, this stuff is all mapped out on my website. If anybody wants to go to my website, com. There's a, a link on there called resources, tons of information on there. Yeah. I learned a lot there. There's yeah, great information, well described and walked through and yes. Yeah. So it's, well, thanks. It's um, just been redone. I had a, a gal just redo it. So it's a lot more organized. It's not my strength. Um, <laughs> so we delegate, but what you're going to do is you're going to figure out if you want to figure out what your personal year is, the first thing you have to do is figure out what the universal year is. Okay. Let's take a look at yours, Tim. So we know that this year is 2022. So we're going to add two plus zero plus two plus two equals six, right? So we know that this is a six universal year. So what we're going to do now is we're going to take your date, pardon me, your month of birth, which is a five, plus your day of birth, which is an eight, and add that to the six. So that comes up as 19, and one and I is 10. And one plus zero equals one. So you're only one personal year. Oh, wow. So did you start some new things this year? I did. Yeah. I, it yeah. seemed like I started a lot of new things. <laughs> awesome. So, yeah. Awesome. Do you feel possibly that you're sort of getting a little tired right now? Are you kind of losing your ambition a bit? A little. Yeah. I can kind of tell like um, it's not like it, it's me personally, but like the universe is saying like, okay, like this this is going to take longer than I expected, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, Tiana would be a better one to speak on that, but astrologically we've been in, you know, in the land of retrogrades. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I, I don't even pretend to understand a whole lot about that, but I know it's been holding us all back. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, so this year has been the focus all about you. So next year you don't want to be quite as driven and you're, you're naturally driven anyways. That's that's who you are. Regardless of how we slice or dice your, your date of birth, you're a one. So you are always naturally a driven kind of a guy. So your expectation is to get things done kind of yesterday, right? Yeah. So you have to lower that expectation in the year of two and understand that it's going to be about you and other people, like one-on-one relationships, developing other relationships so that you can nurture what you started this year. It, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it's it sounds a little disappointing, honestly. But <laughs> <laughs> well, but but wait, there's more. Um, so, and I can't get into this here, but I want to explain something to you that okay. if I was in a personal year of one, and you're in a personal year of one, I'm going to say, Tim, you and I, we're both going to have a very uh, similar year this year because a one is a one is a one. It's a black and white template. So I want you guys to think about this nine year cycle as a black and white template. It's the same for everybody, right? If Tiana's in it, I'm in it, you're in it, we're all in it, right? Well, the whole thing with the black and white template is it only tells you so much. So one of the one of the really big reasons, I told you I had gone into a, a bit of a dark place back in 2003, when I really started start, um, studying numerology, what I wanted to know was what the heck was 2003 about? It was the worst year I'd ever been through. 
When I went back, I recognized I was in a sixth personal year. Well, that's easy. That's domestic drama, right? That's focus on domestic stuff. And there was a lot of that going on. However, what I didn't know is the influence that our birth name has on our personal year. So the personal, your birth name provides what's called an essence. I want you to think of the essence as like color that we're now going to throw against the black and white template. And now that's going to personalize it for Tim, right? That tells me when I do that, I can read that so I can say, oh, okay, you're in a six personal year or whatever. In this case, you're in a one personal year, but you've got this 13, four karmic dead essence going on, Tim. So that means you're going to run into obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. See how that happens? Like there's another little element there that's just, I I can't even explain it here on this, this type of a program. It's It's something that's very visual to teach. I teach it in my numerology classes, but it's an essence. And once you figure out what your essence is, that really cracks the code open on how you are supposed to handle your, your personal year. Okay. So don't be frustrated because it could be just a timeline, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. No worries. Yeah. There's so much to learn there. And you're saying that you teach it. You have online classes, right? That people can take. through. I have a, a program that's um, called the Clarity Seekers Community. Mm-hmm. So it's a membership program where we meet four times a month. Um, one hour each time. And I do it on different days and different times to meet all the time zones. <laughs> but we teach numerology in there and the courses are always recorded. So even if you're stepping in a little bit after the fact, you can go back and, and watch all the other lessons. But it's a really, really great opportunity. And I have guest speakers that come in every month, uh, master classes that happen all the time. It's it's a, it's a really happening place. <laughs> so yeah, that's where we teach it. That's so exciting. Yeah. Well, you can find it on the website. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So my next question is, what is the meaning of and and is there a way for people to find out like if they are, like I mentioned earlier, seeing these repeating numbers in their life, like if they're noticing the same number, like, you know, whether it's like when they go out, it's the time, some people notice the time and some people mm-hmm. notice like maybe a license plates or something and they keep seeing the same number. Is there a specific meaning behind that that they can figure out? So the, the theory is that, well, obviously, you know, each, each number holds a vibration as we've just gone through from one to nine. So it's not, a, if, if you're seeing, for example, the number 43 over and over and over again, you keep seeing the number 43, right? Well, there's a couple of different ways to look at that. The four means something, the three means something. And when we add the two together, it comes up as a seven. So you kind of have to look at all three pieces of that to actually decode it. I just did a session with a, a friend of mine who's was completely hellbent for leather that she was going to empty her house in two weeks' time. And she just knew she saw it. She saw her house is empty, so she knows she has to move. And I'm like, all right, let's take a look at that. So she pulled the card, and the card was the number 43 card. And I forget what the word wording was on it, but immediately I zoned in on the on the 43 and I went, No, no, no. This is about the four is about stability and process, coming up with a plan. And the three says, and we have to talk about this, right? Before she can manifest the seven, which is that spiritual leap and trusting and having surrendering and trusting. So when people see repeating numbers over and over and over again, it is spirit trying to speak to you. It is spirit trying to get a hold of you and trying to get your attention. And it is your responsibility to figure out what the heck does that mean? And it's going to mean something different to everybody. You know, like for me, if I saw, 
1111, that might say, oh, you know, I have to start a new business and it re- relates to mastering the master 11s. But for Tim, that might mean something entirely different, but still relates to starting something, right? So it's not enough to say this is concrete and this is what this means. Like you're not going to get that. However, I will recommend a website. I can't remember Joanna's last name, but she's done a brilliant job in creating a website with a whole library of information related to each repeating number or each number in particular. And it's called angelscribe.com. So you may want to check that out. It's incredibly good, good resource. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. That's probably exactly what a lot of people wanted to hear. Like, yes, I can just look this up somewhere. Okay. (laughs) And I've got a whole description on my website too, of what each number means and how you can apply it in various places. So it's just really plug and play guys. That's all it is. Once you understand one to nine, if you, when you start learning numerology, is is it a lesson? Is it a talent? Is it a gift? Is it a is it a passion? Right? And you read it the same way. It's just it's just how it's associated with the component of the chart. Yeah, but I think you know someone like you, like you were saying at the very beginning, like oh, you know, this is the number. But but Tim, you you feel this? I think there's like a, a you know there's the nuance of your sensitivity and being able to kind of apply to to sense tune into that to know um, how to apply it like you have an archetype of each number but then Mm -hmm. I I think it's sort of an art form the way that you're able to sense and feel and kind of apply it in a specific way that makes it this gift that you offer so yeah we can learn like a certain amount on our own and be able to apply it but I think there are people that have this special gift like you Mm -hmm. that have you know taken this this science but also applied it as an art form well you know when i do charts for people for example i mean i do attract an awful lot of people who are 11s because that's kind of where i specialize but when they come to me and i look at their date of birth sometimes i'll look at that and go "Mm, that adds up as a 20 slash 2 rather than an 11 slash 2 and that sometimes will produce disappointment. They're like, oh, I thought it was an 11, you know, or, you know, they're all upset. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, well, I think you're a 20 slash two. So we got to make sure that we know there's no notoriety associated with being a master number. In fact, it's actually good news <laughs> if you're not, right? Because the journey is a little bit easier. But it really, it's not up to me to decide that. So I've really softened my approach with that and have said, all right, I personally, the way I do the calculations would think that you were a 20 slash two. However, if you believe you're an 11 slash two, guess what? Then that's what you are. And if that be the case, I'm going to look at two charts. I'll be looking at the chart for 20 slash two, but I'm also going to look at the chart 11 slash two. And I let you decide what you feel is is more appropriate. I mean, yours is a case in point, Tim, with your date of birth. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so it would be good so, for you to study the 37, the, the numbers related to the three, the seven, the one, zero, <laughs> and the, rather than just looking at the 19 one. Right. Yeah, I will actually. <laughs> You mentioned earlier in the podcast, like when you were very first offered to do a reading, and uh, you said that we felt we didn't feel like a nineteen one. Mm-hmm. What did you think that we felt like? <laughs> That's you, a good question. Did you have an impression that you, you want to share? Maybe nineteen uh, ones often feel very egoic. They can be very narcissistic. Remember, there's a positive side and a negative side to each number. So if you are, in fact, a 19-1, I see you guys doing great work together. I see you with real intention to help and support and to inspire people. That's what you do. I mean, you do. I watch, I watch or listen to a lot of your podcasts. And I thought, wow, they're doing a great, great job. So 
you've got your nines figured out. The nine is not about self-service, you know, to myself. It's about being of service out there and not really looking for any pat on the back for doing it, not looking for any reward for doing it. It's just that that love of doing it. I feel that from you guys, that that's what you're doing. Um, whereas when you don't get the 19-1 right, the 19-1 is all about themselves. It's all about drive for recognition, status, power, pound in their chest, you know. The 19-1, maybe this will help you to discern whether you feel like you're 19-1 or, or just a 1 otherwise. The 19-1 has a huge need for independence, like a severe need for independence. Like you fall off a boat, you don't swim, and I'm throwing you a life jacket, and you're like, no, 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 it's okay. No, 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 no. I'll figure it out. And I'm like, yeah, but you're drowning. <laughs> you might want to reach for that. <laughs> but, but you're like, no, no, I'll figure it out. Stop embarrassing me. People are looking at me. You know, it's <laughs> like... So um, the the nineteen ones, I give you a quick if you get time. I got a quick quick explanation as to the nineteen one. Um, I always tell people who are nineteen ones this little story. So let's pretend for a second that you guys are military leaders. Okay, you're walking through a field. You got a bunch of guys behind you, guys and gals behind you, and you're going through the field and you're doing your military exercises, whatever that looks like. And your commanding officer rings you up on your radio, and you're like, hey, and he's like, hey. Um, you see that hill over there? Yep, yep, see it? Mm -hmm. um, okay, so when you guys go over that hill, because I can see you're going towards it, when you go over that hill, the enemy's there, and they're going to blow you up to smithereens as soon as they, they see you. So you better find a, a plan, come up with a plan immediately to divert from that, or you're all going to die. Have a nice day, bye, and he hangs up. Meanwhile, you're standing out there going, holy crap, what am I going to do? I don't know. This is coming on so fast. Like, it's, it's freaking me out. I, I don't have an idea. So you're forced to go to your guys and say, hey, guys, I'm, you know, this is happening, and, and I don't really have an idea as to what we're supposed to do right now. I wondered if maybe we could come together and create a solution together. Maybe we could come together and, you know, maybe share ideas. Your guys are going to look at you like you get three heads. Like, hey, Tiana, Tim, like, come on. You've been our leaders for what, you know, 10 years. You've never once asked for our help ever. Because see, the 19-1 never wants anybody to know that they're struggling. They keep their cars really close. They'll spiral around the drain, going down that drain, but nobody's going to know. You're the captain on the Titanic. It's sinking, and you're like, it's all good. We'll be all fine. You know? <laughs> um, so in this case, right, you're looking at your guys saying, I could use a little help. And they're looking at you like you got three heads. Why are you asking for help? You've never asked for it before. And they think about it for a minute, and then they look at you, and they go, wow, are you kidding me? Of course I'd love to help you. Oh, my God, I'm so grateful that you've thought enough of me to ask for my opinion to ask for my insight. Wow. Yes, of course. So what you did in that moment was you allowed yourself to become vulnerable. You took these guys from down here, you raised them up a couple of steps and you built them up as leaders. And that is what the 19 is intended to do. That's beautiful. I appreciate that story. That was uh, helpful. I was thinking, could somebody be because I was thinking, like, could somebody be a, like a 19 personality came in in this lifetime, but then when I had a, and, and I was an atheist and then I had a big spiritual awakening. And as mm -hmm. I connected to my soul and my spiritual self, that's why I no longer vibrate as a 19 mm -hmm. one, because now that's, you know, coming from my higher vibration of my true self. But if I had not opened to my spirituality and just stayed in my personality, then, then I, maybe I would feel more like a 19 one to you. Oh, hundred percent. That's a great yeah. point. Because the whole point of, of um, us being here is for the purpose of evolution, right? So before we even incarnate, we sit down with a group of spirit guides and we have a discussion with them 
And we decide what numbers we want to place into our date of birth based upon what we choose to learn this time around. So those of us, I say us, because I have a karmic debt lesson as well. Um, those of us who come in with um, karmic debts have said, I get it. I was a badass in a previous lifetime. And I want to clean up that mess that I made. I want to make amends for that. Therefore, I'm not just going to come in as a one life path number this time around. I'm going to come in as a 19 one. I'm going, this isn't punishment. That's the whole thing with karmic debt. Karmic debt is not punishment. Although sometimes it feels like that. It's not. It's your willingness to say, I'm going to step it up. I'm, I'm going to clean up that mess. I'm going to make amends for it. So I'm going to be vulnerable this time in terms of the 19-1, rather than having to be all that and be all full of ego, I'm going to be vulnerable this time and I'm going to lead with a gentler hand. And in so doing, you're making amends for that bad behavior. You're cleaning up the mess and you're paying back the karmic debt. So the other question, of course, is how do I know that karmic debt is ever paid off? Well, that's the whole point. You don't. <laughs> so <laughs> the whole time you're here, you need to be cognizantly aware that it's there. I mean, I'm, I'm a 16-7 karmic debt. So that relates to a lot of issues related to trust. So I've been in situations where I betrayed people um, in a previous lifetime. And in this lifetime, as, as a young person, I betrayed people, causing them not to trust me. So learning through that, I'm like, oh, well, that didn't end so well. So maybe I should try a different approach. And now it's like I'm very consciously aware of making sure that people do trust me. I work hard to make sure that I don't set myself up to be betrayed. So we're constantly working on it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was helpful for me when I saw your video about that, because in this lifetime, I feel like there have been a number of times where I was like unfairly attacked or people, I, I was like the victim, you know, so I was on the other side and it felt like, oh, it's not fair. I, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying to be so kind and why, you know, it's coming out of nowhere, but to realize like, oh, this is my karmic debt from other lifetimes. So maybe in this lifetime, I haven't been like that. And so it feels very unfair and I feel powerless in those experiences, but to recognize like, no, I came into this lifetime to experience the other side, to find that, you know, balance has helped me a lot, actually. I, re I recognize that very much, Anna. I really do, because I know my, my 16-7 relates to relationships. And I know that in when I left my ex-husband, I was judged for a crime I never committed, right? And it was so painful. And it took me about two years before I realized I'm being judged for something I didn't do, but that's paying back for the karmic debt because in the previous lifetime, it's exactly what I did. So it took me a couple of years to figure it out, but it's so painful when you're being persecuted for, for a crime you didn't commit. It's a lifetime thing. It really is a lifetime thing. It doesn't go away. There are also things called karmic lessons that come as a result of missing letters in your birth name. Hmm. So for example, if you don't have any B's, K's, or T's in your birth name, then you have a karmic lesson of two, which relates to learning how to work well in, in relationships. But it's not an in-your-face kind of a moment where the karmic debts are like in your face all the time. They're, they're hardcore. You feel them. And the karmic debt doesn't always have to happen just in your life path number in terms of a lesson. It can also appear as an expression number. It can appear in the heart's desire number or the day of birth. It can appear as a cycle. You know, like when somebody goes through a 16-7 essence, for example, in their, in their nine-year cycle, I call that a time of crash, burn, and learn. You know, I know that that person's going down because they haven't been listening to spirit and spirit's like, call in the wrecking ball. <laughs> you know, they're not listening. It's just a question of, of really learning how to trust and surrender to spirit more so that you can get through that rough patch. 
Wow, this has all been so great. I do have one more question. Even though we're kind of running short on time, I do have one more question that I would like to ask. So if somebody goes to you and they have a session with you, what is the typical flow? What kind of information should they expect from something like that? Or is it more like, hey, I have this going on in my life and you can can you help me? Or how does it work? Great question. So uh, when somebody books a session with me, there's a little questionnaire. And I always have in that questionnaire, how can I help you? Like, what, what is it you're hoping to accomplish from this? And typically people will say, well, I'm feeling stuck. I want to know what my purpose is. My relationship's in shambles. Or I just feel like I'm lost. Directionless is very, very common. And so that gives me a clue as to what to be looking for. I know that we're looking at cycles that could be affecting them. There's long-term cycles we look at. There's short-term cycles we look at. There are numbers. So for example, if somebody has a life path number of four, maybe they just need a little help with perspective because the four has a tendency to take on the victim role. So if I can help them to see that maybe if we just look at this a little differently, you might not feel quite so trapped by by that. So the way it rolls out, uh, Tim, is that I would start out by explaining sort of my belief system with numerology, if you will, to kind of set the stage a little bit. And then we start talking about the life path number and the lessons that they've come to learn. And we talk about the expression number, the talents that they brought with them, that they chose to bring with them, that support the journey, the lesson, and what they're passionate about. Because a lot of people don't know what they're passionate about because they're very busy. If they have six energy, for example, they're busy meeting the needs of everybody else. Sixes and twos are constantly meeting the needs of everybody else. So they get a little lost. So I can help them kind of plug into what they might be passionate about. And if they're, you know, if they're in a crappy place, I'm going to acknowledge you're in a crappy place. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You're in a crappy place. But guess what? It ends here. I will tell them it's going to end here. I promise. You know, you'll feel the shift. So that's kind of how we handle it. That sounds yeah. fantastic. Yeah, fun. yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It's, I'm surprised we ran oh. out of time. It went by so quickly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, I appreciate you having me. I really do. Thank you. Full of information, packed with information for people. Yeah, sure. Can you tell our listeners where they can find you? Absolutely. I have a YouTube channel, Ann Perry Numerologist. It's Ann without an E. Uh, I have uh, my website, of course, got all kinds of resources there. It's annperrynumerologist.com. My group, Clarity Seekers Community, can be accessed through my, uh, my website as well. I'm on Facebook. I've got a Master Number 11 community on Facebook. I also have just a, a general Facebook page, which we put all kinds of information on every day. So I'd love for people to follow me there too. Well, cool. I'm going to check out your Master 11 Facebook yeah. page. Well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you again. We appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond the Illusion. I'd like to say thank you very much to Ann Perry for taking the time to talk with us and for sharing her gifts and knowledge with us. If you'd like to find out more about Ann or book a session with her, you can go to annperrynumerologist.com. Thanks to everyone that made this podcast possible. Produced and hosted by Tim Howe and Tiana Roser. Music by Casey Henson. For more information about us or to access past episodes, please visit beyondtheillusionpodcast.com. We also have Beyond the Illusion merch on our website now, so if you're interested, check it out. Also, please remember to subscribe and leave a rating wherever you listen. This will help other people find us. Take care.